Good morning, good morning. Hello, hello. Great to be here today. What a privilege. And uh, my wife Sharon sends her love. I think I've got a photo of her. Um, she couldn't be here today because today is also the day we're launching another campus for our church in this Hey, hey, Jess, in the city of Quinana. And uh, uh, Jess also comes to our church, and she just loves Nate and Pastor Nate and Beck so much. Uh, and, uh, and so she just said, oh, I can't believe it. It had to be on the same day. I said, babe, you go and plant our campus, and I'll come here, and, and we'll get to be with it. And I've got three handsome young men. Check these boys out. Levi, Noah, and Micah, 16 to 12 years old. Today, Levi is preaching his first message in kids church and today Noah is leading worship on his guitar in kids church for the first time so it's exciting days in the Chalaya household a lot of firsts but what a wonderful moment that was just to be able to dedicate that child to the Lord hello to people that I don't know great to see you if I've never met you before it is an honor and a privilege to get into God's word are you ready for God's word have you got faith today are you believing that God's going to speak to you today? Good. Okay. A few uh, weeks ago, I was reading online the news. I've all these different newspapers that I have online and the Sydney Morning Herald uh, was uh, featured that day and it, an article came up that caught my attention. I want you to turn to it there. It says, the meaning of life, Australians are praying more during COVID-19. Churches may have closed their doors, but more Australians are opening their minds to spirituality and prayer. Researchers have found Australians say that they have been praying more during the COVID-19 crisis, suggesting the pandemic has led many to reassess their priorities in life. Isn't that awesome? What a great day for the church. I don't know about you, but this should really stir your faith that as the world gets darker, the church shines brighter. This is when the salt really becomes the salt of the earth. This is when the light becomes the light of the world. And this should really stir all of you to be sharing your faith. This should be really stir all of you to be inviting people to church because there are people out there now more than ever reassessing their life. I'm not saying it. This total non-Christian uh, Sydney Morning Herald uh, journalist actually wrote this. They said, social researcher Mark McCrindle surveyed 1,002. I love how they said 1,002. Not 1,000, not 1,001. 1,002 people between July 24 and 28 and found that more than a third, 35%, said they were praying more and 41% were thinking about God more. A quarter said that they were reading their Bibles more, nearly half nearly 47% said they had thought about their mortality and the meaning of life. Oh, church, this is our finest, finest hour. You know, as I was re reading that, more than just the encouragement, I had this thought. Okay, so the average person is praying more, reading their Bible more, and reconsidering their mortality. What are they praying for? Does that... Doesn't that, you know, that's the question, really. What exactly are they praying for? And more than that, if they're not believing in Jesus, then who are they praying to? And more important than that, will their prayers actually work? Will their prayers actually be answered? 
You know, in January this year, we had the, the massive bushfires. And, you know, all these celebrities who don't believe in God, who don't surrender to Jesus, hashtag pray for Australia. And I wondered, would a hashtag be actually considered prayer? Uh, is that is that prayer? What 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 you know? And more than that, is is sending good vibes out to the universe, man? Is that prayer? What makes prayer prayer? And how does prayer actually work? I want to make sure that the prayers that I pray not only shift heaven but also change the earth. Prayers that actually work. And so today, if you're taking notes, then I'm actually sharing on prayers that actually work. That's the title of my sermon. With so many questions about prayer, it's no wonder the disciples come to Jesus in Luke chapter 11 verse 1. They say, Jesus, Lord, teach us about prayer. Teach us how to pray. And so Jesus begins to teach this prayer that we pray, most of us pray or know about or have memorized if you grew up, you know, in a good traditional church, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, mata, 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 mata. You know, that's how it generally goes. You know, he teaches his disciples this model prayer and it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. It says, our Father in heaven, come on, help me out here, hallowed be your name, come on, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen that is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. He wasn't saying memorize it and repeat it a thousand times till it becomes this routine ritual that means nothing to you. He's saying this is then the model I want you to follow. This is how you pray prayers that actually work. You pray prayers that shift heaven and that actually change the earth. And he starts off, the, the, the biggest key to this is to determine the who. Because the who will affect the how. The who will determine the how. Um, I'm a good Malaysian boy. Grew up in Malaysia, KL, seven years old, uh, seven and a half years of my life there, the first seven and a half years. And I lived in Australia for the rest of the time. But there's something about going back to Malaysia. There's something about going back to KL. Every year uh, before... Uh, you know, things change. Uh, every year we'd go back for a family holiday. And I remember the first time when my kids were uh, a little bit older and starting to understand things, we get into the taxi and I'm straight into uh, Malaysian mode, you know? And so I'm like, hello, uncle. Uh, I just want to go to uh, OUG. Uh, I just want to go straight down the road, but be careful. Uh, Klang roads are very busy right now. So, you know, you just go, uh, you just go the fast way. Like, just don't get stuck in traffic. Okay, right? And my boys look at me in absolute horror. And I'm like, what? They go, Dad, you're so racist. You can't be making fun of that guy's accent. And I'm like, I'm not making fun of that guy's accent. It just happens. I, something subconscious happens when I'm with Malaysians. The who affects the how, you know? You know what I'm talking about? They're just the who affects the how. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to my friend from Philippines, you know, the Filipino accent comes out, you know? It just, just, it just affects. I don't mean to 
do it. That's, that's racist because that, that was put on. You see, that is, if you want to judge me, judge me on that. Don't judge me on what I said beforehand, right? And so what happens is the who affects the how. The who you are with affects the how. So Jesus teaches his disciples, some of you are praying wrongly because you don't know who. You're not sending good vibes to the universe. You're not praying to Mother Earth. You're not praying to a distant, old, grumpy man who's angry with you. You're praying to your Father. You're praying to your Father. You're coming to your Father who loves you, who knows how many hairs on your head. Don't you dare say anything, right? Who is for on your beard. He knows how many hairs on your beard. He is for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to meet your needs even before you ask it. He, you have found favor in his eyes. He wants to fight for you. He's not against you. That's who you start with. You start with our Father. If you want to pray a prayer that works, change who you're seeing in your mind and see your heavenly Father. This is good news for people who've had bad earthly fathers or absent earthly fathers or fathers who did bad things to you or you haven't had, you know, was too busy to actually be in relationship with you. This is good news because God says, listen, even though you may have missed out here on earth, you are not missing out on a spiritual father. He is good and he is for you and you have access to him. But more than just our father, he goes, our Father who art in heaven, which means he's not on earth, which means he's not located in a particular space or time. He's not in Perth. He's not in the U.S. He's not in this time zone. He's not in that time zone. He's not limited by the restraints of what's going on on earth. I love the fact that he is in heaven. He is not limited by any virus, by any lockdown, by any recession. Your father is in heaven. And that should change the way you pray. Why? Because no longer are we going, God, if you can heal this person. God, if you are able to provide my needs, no. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this about our heavenly father. Now to him who is able. He's able. He is able to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us, within us. He is able to do the impossible. He is able to provide when everything else is gone dry. He's able to heal when doctors say it's impossible. He's able to deliver the most demon-possessed, bound, addicted person. He is able to raise the dead situations into life. He is able to bring life again to dry bones. Amen. And you need to understand that. Our God in heaven, our Father in heaven. But here's the next part of the who that the scripture puts in there. Holy is his name. Holy is his name and nature. He's perfect. He's flawless. He always keeps his word. He does not sin. He does not lie. He does not hurt. 
He is holy. And what, how does that affect us? Because when we know that he is holy and he's perfect and we see ourselves as unholy and imperfect, we don't have access to him on our own merit or our own strength. But that's why he sent Jesus to die on a cross and that blood that was shed makes a way where there is no way. And now because of what Jesus did at Calvary, you and I don't have to stand afar, but we get to come right up to the throne throne of grace and uh, speak to Father intimately and personally. You know, when we first started Centerpoint Church, my eldest was four years old, second was two, and Micah was just born. And I would sometimes be in a, a meeting and somebody, whether it's marriage counseling or, or board meeting, or maybe it's just Nate with all his problems would come in and, and you know, uh, his teenage, no, he wasn't a teenager then. Uh, I'm making that part up. You know, I'd be in a meeting. Sometimes there'd be people crying. And my four-year-old, would, as soon as he came into church, Pastor Beck used to be uh, my PA, uh, he would just run straight past her office because there was like reception and then my office he just barged straight past Pastor Beck's office and opened my door and run straight into my room regardless of who I was with regardless if they were crying didn't matter and he would run straight up to me jump onto my lap give me a kiss and people could be crying it wouldn't matter he didn't have an appointment it wouldn't matter why because he knew this is your senior pastor but this is my father I have access to my Father. There has been a way made. I don't have to stand afar and worship. I don't have to stand afar with shame. There's been a way made because of Jesus for me to come right up to the throne of grace and speak to my Father who is not on earth, but he's in heaven and he's exceedingly abundantly able to do everything that I ask or imagine. That's who you're praying to. It's time to change some of our prayers. It's time to change some of our prayers. He is holy, the Bible says. In uh, Vox.com, another one of those survey articles came up, and it was telling us in August uh, that 1,100 people, average Americans, were surveyed, and they were asked what they prayed for. This is what the 1,100, out of the 1,410 or so, whatever it is, people prayed for people who mistreated them. That was good. You know, 37 prayed for their enemies. Wow, that's good. 21% prayed to win the lottery. Right? And then we have uh, further down there, you know, uh, 13% prayed for their favorite team to win. I hope it wasn't the Dockers because the Lord's not answering. That's an example of prayers that don't work. All right? Uh, You know, uh, 7% prayed for a good parking spot. 7% prayed for not getting caught speeding. I used to be one of that 7%. Uh, Used to be, but Jesus changed my life. Hallelujah. Uh, Prayed for someone else's. 5% prayed for someone else's relationship to end. Lord, help that relationship end so that he can see me and just fall in love with me. That's what these people were praying. You know, what about this one? 5% prayed for success in something they knew wouldn't please God. Hi, God. How you doing? Look, God, I know she's not following you. I know she's not godly. And I know if I'm in a relationship with her, we're probably committed sexual immorality. But would you please give her to me because she's so hot. (laughs) Silly prayers. You know why? Because he's holy. 
Those prayers won't work. Those prayers won't be answered because he's not going to break his word and answer a prayer that's against his character and against his nature. Listen, we have to know who we are praying to. The who affects the how. Some of us are going to have to go home and rip up our prayer list and start with fresh prayer lists, right? So now that you know who, let's move to the second stage. He goes, now that you settle the who, that he's your father in heaven who loves you and that he is holy, now let's look at the how. He goes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So much of our prayer lives are focused on what I need. Lord, I need a new car. And Lord, I need my co-worker to see that they're being annoying. And Lord, that you get them fired. Lord, I want my wife to know that I am awesome. <laughs> Stop nagging me, Lord. Lord, talk to you. And it's all about me. Jesus, I'm going to flip this all around. It's not about you. You want to pray prayers that work? Find out my heart. Find out my will. Find out my desire for your life. Find out my kingdom for your community. Find out what moves me. Find out what burdens me. And then you commit your life to doing that. Here's what we think. We think we will do it and Lord, you bless it. God says, no, I'm God. You're not. Find out what your God wants and do it, and then he'll bless you. You see, when we find out his will and his desire changes our prayers, when we seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. In fact, if you want to do any homework this week, read Matthew chapter 6. Everything I'm teaching from is all there, all in that one chapter, because that whole chapter teaches us about prayer. Jesus says, listen, this is how you are to pray. Seek first. Go searching for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Find out what he wants. Then all these other things will be given to you as well. So rather than praying, God, give me more money. God, give me a higher paying job. How about we pray differently and say, Father, what's your plan for my life? What's your plan for my career? What's your plan for the job you've put me in? Help me to be a good witness at work. Father, help me to steward my finance to bring glory to you. Father, help me to be light in that workplace. Do you understand the difference? His will, his kingdom, and all these other things will be added. The next part of the prayer is give us today our daily bread. As I said, I've prayed this prayer a hundred times. And I get to that part, give us our daily bread, give us our daily bread. First time I'm reading it, and the word daily pops up. I've never prayed the word daily. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And you're going, yeah, what is it? What's the revelation? Here's the revelation. You go to God today and he gives you your today's bread. Then tomorrow you go to God that day and he gives you tomorrow's bread. And then the next day you go to God and he gives you that day's bread. You want to know one of the biggest problems we have? Worry. Do you know why we worry so much? We look at today's bread and we go, that's awesome for today. Hold on. How's this going to be last me next week? How's this going to... 
How's this going to help me in next month? This is not enough for next year. And we start to worry. And we see in Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, here's the revelation. If you're struggling with worry, you're looking at the grace and the provision and the goodness of God for you today, and you are thinking about the future. And I'm here to tell you, stop it. Stop it. God was faithful yesterday. God is faithful today, and he's going to be faithful tomorrow. But you and I have a responsibility. Every day we come to Father, we get the bread, we praise him for the bread, we eat the bread, and the next morning we must come back to Father, and we get the bread, and we eat the bread, and we praise him for it. See, the Israelites had to work this out. They were slower than we were, right? God says, every morning, go out. Pick up manna and you're going to be provided for. So what do some of them do? They pick up the manna for the day and then they go, hold on. What if God has a recession tomorrow? What if COVID hits Israel tomorrow? What happens if manna dries up? You know what? We'll just take a little bit more for tomorrow. And what happened? It rotted. And God says, come on. I am faithful. I am faithful. Stop worrying about tomorrow. I've got grace for tomorrow. I've got provision for tomorrow. Come to me for today. If you're struggling in worry, hand tomorrow over to God. If you're taking notes, write this particular thing down because it really spoke to Murray. Tomorrow's grace is not accessible today. Tomorrow's grace is not accessible today. I have people come to me and say things like, oh, Pastor Joel, God's been so good in a time of restriction. Our business is doing so well. Things are happening really good, but I'm so worried. What happens when JobKeeper stops? Can I just tell you, has he not been faithful? Has he not provided for you all this time? Do you honestly think he's brought you this far to abandon you? You don't have a good understanding of your father. Come back to Father. Amen? Here's the next part. I'm running out of time. This is the part. Scary. And forgive us our debts as. Everyone say as. Have you seen that word before? And forgive us our debts as we have also, also have forgiven our debtors. This is a prayer that you didn't know you were praying. So Jesus snuck that in there. Some of you are never going to pray this part of the prayer again after this. Lord, forgive all my sins in the same measure as I forgive that person that broke my heart, the punk. Forgive that Judas who stabbed me in the back. Forgive that pastor that didn't value my gifts. Forgive that boyfriend that betrayed me, that abuser that used me. Lord, forgive me the same measure as I've forgiven all of them. Scary, right? When I got this revelation, I realized that it was a trap. <laughs> this wasn't about me getting forgiveness. This was me working on my heart to forgive every single person 
that has affected me. Because listen, unless you forgive them, you can't come in alignment with God. God wants to bless you. God wants to favor you. God wants to promote you. God wants to meet your needs. But as long as you hold unforgiveness, it's like you stand in that place with an umbrella and the blessing that is pouring out on you cannot touch your life, cannot saturate you. It is just repelled from you. So God says, let me bless you. Release them. Release them of the offense. Release them of the abuse. Release them. It doesn't mean you condone them. It doesn't mean that you forget. It doesn't mean that you put yourself back in a place where you can be hurt and abused. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply saying you hurt me, but I release you because he released me. And according to what he gave to me, I'm going to give to you. And then you walk in the forgiveness and grace of God. Finally, as the musicians come up, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, when it comes into temptation, James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. The source of temptation is not God. So then why are we praying, God, lead me not into temptation, like he's the one tempting us? Well, it's actually a different picture. The picture is, this is your life, but you have an enemy that has come to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And this enemy wants to sabotage you. And so he builds traps along your path. And he covers them over and you can't see. Why? Because we're limited in discernment. We're limited in our vision. We're limited in our wisdom. And so we walk along the path and from time to time we fall into these traps that the enemy has for us. Unless you pray, God, lead me. Lead me. I surrender my life. I surrender my relationships. I surrender my career. I surrender my children. I surrender my business to you. Lead me. Not into that trap, the traps that I can't see. Take control of my life. And what the Lord does. Is lead you. Around what was meant to steal from you what was meant to kill you, what was meant to destroy you. He wants to lead you. He wants to lead you into paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Because he loves you. How many times do we have to hear it before it sinks in? My father loves me. He doesn't want me to fall. He doesn't want me to stumble. You know, I um, was thinking about this. Sometimes even the good things are not the God things. I remember when I was 20 years old, I was in prayer and God said to me, you're going to be a father, spiritual father. You're going to be a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, amen. So I made an appointment with my senior pastor. And I said, Pastor David, God's spoken to me. He goes, tell me. Because I'm meant to be a father. I'm meant to be a pastor. He goes, fantastic. Yes, I can see God's call all over your life. Then I stood there. And he's like, there as well. I'm like, so? He goes, so? I said, well, maybe I didn't make it clear. 
God told me I'm going to be a pastor and I'm here. I'm ready. He goes, oh, oh, what are you doing now in the church? I said, oh, I've got a group of 12 to 15-year-old boys, about 17 of them in my connect group. He goes, oh, good, good. I'll keep doing that. Keep being faithful there. I'm like, yeah. Anything else you want me to do? No, just keep being faithful. Promotion comes from the Lord and the right time the Lord will. And I remember leaving that appointment so devastated. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know God. He, God spoke to me that I am to be the next pastor. I am. He's holding me from my destiny. He's holding me from my ministry. He wasn't. He was just being a good shepherd, right? So anyway, three months passed. Another church literally down the road wins $9 million in a lotto. Someone obviously was praying, right? Uh, someone in the church won $9 million and literally decided to tithe $900,000. This is 20 years ago. $900,000 to a little church is a lot of money. So the pastor is like, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. He comes up to me, makes an appointment, says, Joel, I see God's hand on your life. You are meant to be a pastor. Hey, listen, leave your church, come to my church. I'll put you on full-time ministry. I will give you access to a church car. You want to run children's ministry? You want to run youth ministry? No holes barred, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, yeah, hallelujah, Jesus, you heard my prayer. This will teach you, Pastor David. Ha! You had first options and you said, no, well, God got you. You know, so I'm like, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to walk in, I'm going to say, you know what, you didn't, you didn't appreciate me, but Jesus saw me, Jesus called me, you can't stand in my way, devil, you know, that's all the stuff I'm thinking in my head, every time I prayed though, God says, don't take the next step, I'm like, no, get away, Satan, Lord, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from the evil one, don't touch it, don't, don't, don't take it, don't, don't leave the church, go back and serve, Go back and forgive. Go back and be faithful. Go back and persevere. Go back and serve that man. He's your father. Go back. Change your attitude. Say no. Don't touch it. This is not from me. Yes, it is from you. It meets everything that you said to me that I'm going to do not. This is an Ishmael. Wait for the promise. I'm speaking to some people here today, and I don't even know who. And Pastor Nate and I haven't spoken about any church things, but maybe this is something in people's hearts. I can sense it. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. Go back. Surrender, submit. And in the right time, I'll do it. He leads you, friends. He leads you around the traps of the enemy. He delivers you for his name's sake, if you will surrender, if you will hand it over to him, if you come to Father, if you realize that it's his will, not your will, if you come to him for your daily needs, if you work on unforgiveness and offense and realign yourself, and if you surrender the lordship of your life to the leading of the Holy Spirit, if you become spirit-led people, you will stand in alignment. And you know, I was thinking about that, if I took that, because that, what happened in 
in that story is the man a few months later changed his mind and went back to the church and asked for all that money. There was all this torment and all these problems and the church had, had to deal with it through courts and all sorts of stuff. That church is no longer even operating today. And if I had done that, I may have got disillusioned. I may have been caught up with all this sort of stuff. And if I did that, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't have my church family, the dream, the fathering that I get to do through even Harvest Net and even through this church. I'm living the dream he promised me 20 years ago, even though right before me was this potential promise. Would you stand in this place? What is the Spirit of God speaking to you about? We've only got five minutes left, so I don't want to waste any moment. But just where you are, would you just lift your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I want you to just come before His presence right now. And what's the area that He's putting His finger on? What's the area He's challenging you on? Come on, maybe it's a fresh revelation of Father. Father, right now, Reveal the fatherhood of God. Reveal your heart and your love. Break off every wrong paradigm right now in the name of Jesus. Father, if we have limited you, Lord God, show us your power. Show us your glory. You are able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. So I'm asking now for the impossible. Come on, would you just begin to ask God for the impossible? Ask God for the prodigals to come back home. Ask God right now for His kingdom to come in your life, in your marriage that may be broken. Come on, ask Him right now to restore your marriage even though it seems impossible. Come on, begin to ask Him now for family members to be saved. That's His will. Begin to ask Him now for healing in your body, in your mind. You might think it's impossible, but nothing is impossible for your Father. Why? Because He's in heaven. He's not limited by earth. Right now, Spirit of God, breathe and touch. Maybe it's an area of your life that is unholy. You've been entertaining certain things and today may the holiness of the Lord be a revelation to you right now. May the holiness of the Lord be fresh revelation to you and you get rid of that stuff in Jesus name so that you can build a loving relationship with your Father. Father, maybe you're struggling with worry. Would you just raise your hands right now? If you're struggling with worry, daily bread is coming to you right now. Father, everyone whose hands are raised now with a worry that needs provision, that needs resource, that needs a job now, in the name of Jesus, you are faithful, you are good, you are faithful, you are good. Meet these needs, Father. Meet our needs, Father, because you know how to meet our deepest needs right now. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.